In the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, how are you today? You're listening to the Sunday edition of St. Mark Bemidji's podcast. I am so very thankful that you are here to hear the Word of God, written for you, so that you may believe in Jesus, and that by that belief, you may inherit eternal life. As always, our content today is the sermon from the Sunday previous at our church, or every once in a while, another Wells sister church. This podcast operates on a value-for-value basis. In other words, the words that you're about to hear have value. In fact, they're priceless because they contain meditations on the words of eternal life. And if you find them valuable, I only ask that you would pass that value along to the next man, woman, or child that you have the opportunity to do so. Because the word of the Lord is for all people, no matter what age, race, culture, or social standing. We all need Jesus. Today's sermon is titled, Eyes That See, and is based upon a reading from 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8-17. through 17. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such a such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? the servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We now join Pastor Z for today's sermon. In the name of him who commands his angels concerning you, Amen. Our human vision has its limits. Some of you might be saying, well, obviously I'm wearing glasses. But even fully functional human eyes from ground level, our distance is only about 15 miles. If you're up on an elevated platform, and the only reason I know this is because I used to work as a DNR fire tower lookout, and our range of sight from 100 feet in the air was about 25 miles, give or take, on a clear day. Human vision can only see, see so far, and even though we stand in awe of the eye's complexity and the, and the wonder that that organ is, 
It still can't see every wavelength of light that there is. There are optical illusions that fool us and trick us. Our eyes can't even see as well as a cat or a dog at night. Our ability to perceive through our sense of sight is limited. We need glasses or a telescope or special filters to correct this. Our sense of sight, our ability to perceive the world through vision is limited. We don't have eyes to see everything. And really, the same could be said for all of our senses. Hearing, touch, taste, and smell are limited and oftentimes pale in comparison to animals. And our brains, despite the wonder that those things are, as, as all of our senses filter the information into our brain, it's still flawed. Although God created us as self-aware creatures, we're still not all able to process everything that goes on. We come up with faulty solutions to problems. We are oftentimes obtuse and unaware of the emotions or the feelings of other people. We say and do things out of ignorance. Things that cause offense. Oftentimes the way that we think things should go is not the way that they should go at all. We don't have the senses or the eyes to see and to perceive. We are easily frightened at things that are unfamiliar. We are strangely confused at life's changes even though all of our life is change. Our senses, our emotions, our intelligence, if you want to call it that, is all like our eyes, oftentimes blind and unable to see. We have this way in which we interpret the world and it's obvious that it's flawed. That we don't have the eyes to see. But, does any of that stop us from trying to process everything? No. We try to be multifaceted, multitaskers with solutions to problems like a group of old men sitting around over a beer or over dinner trying to solve the world's problems. When we have a hard enough time in our own lives, in our own homes, between parents and kids, between spouses, between friends, between co-workers, how can we possibly process all that goes on? We, the fact of the matter is we're not meant to. We're not created to. We can't possibly process or see all ends of the heartache and the trials and the tragedies and the injustices the world over. What happens when our eyes do see that stuff? The same words come out of our mouth as the servant of Elijah. Right? Oh my Lord, what shall we do? Can you blame him? Can you blame him? I mean, allow me to paint the picture here. Because it's really not so different from us. 
different circumstance, but the same general sense. The text for today kind of drops us into the middle of a scenario. It's a little interesting. Um, the, the king of Aram, uh, or excuse me, the king of Aram, um, who's not named here, but was probably a guy by the name of King Benadad II. He's waging an active military campaign against Israel. So he confers with the best military minds at his disposal. His generals and his leaders. And he makes his plans to the best of his knowledge. And his idea is to try to set ploys and traps to outmaneuver Israel's armies, to outflank them. But for some weird reason, Israel is always one step ahead or one step behind, such as was needed. This game of cat and mouse, always in favor of the mouse. Why? Well, time and time again, Elisha warned the king of Israel so that he was on his guard in such places. The king of Aram becomes frustrated as Tom is against Jerry. As, again, as the coyote is against Roadrunner. Every single time he tries to go after Israel, his plots and his plans are foiled. He fails. It's driving him nuts, even to the point where he thinks his own trusted generals are in on it. He summons his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who's in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. Now he wants to cut the head off the snake. Ah, there's the guy. There's the source of my problems. This prophet. This prophet is the problem. So he sends out spies and he finds out where Elisha and his servant are. And he finds him in the city of Dothan. And he does what any good military strategist does when he wants to surprise an enemy. He moves the force at night over a rather long distance. He sets up camp, and in the morning, they all awaken to a sight of terror. The army of Aram surrounding the city. A bunch of bloodthirsty soldiers. And they're there for one reason, Elisha. And the servant of Elisha wakes up. And everything up to this point had been fine. He'd watched his master, Elisha, share information with the king. He'd watched him talk to him. And the enemy had always been beyond the hills. Or on the other side of the woods. But now, the enemy is very, very, very real. And right outside the city. And there's no escaping. And he knows why they're there. Were they all just really good guesses from Elisha? Had the Lord not planned on this? Moving his army by night and surrounding this city? Now what are we going to do? Oh Lord, what shall we do? Because now the enemy is very real and he's surrounding us. And if they get to us, this whole city is going to be scorched. It's going to be burned flat to the ground. The women and children are going to be hauled off as slaves. The men are going to be brutally attacked and killed. 
if they get to me and Elisha, speaking from his perspective, of course, we're going to be tortured until they, they hear what they want from us, and then we'll probably be thrown in a ditch and murdered. His words are guttural, filled with fear. Oh Lord, what shall we do? Because now the danger is real in all the plans, and even if he was tempted to think for a moment that, that they were foiling the plans of the king of Aram by their own intelligence, now it had all fallen flat. What shall we do? Words that we've uttered probably many times in our lives. Oh Lord, what shall we do? When our plans have failed, when we've been bested, when maybe our, we ourselves thought that we were responsible for our own success or happiness or blessing, we thought those things were out of our own making, or maybe there's something that you fought from that's been taken from you. Maybe something that's near and dear to your heart is gone. Or something hasn't gone your way. Maybe it's just simply turning on the news and watching the world burn. In some cases, very literally. Did God not account for this? Did He not plan on this move? What shall we do? What shall I do? And where do our sinful natures make our eyes look? The same things that failed again and again. Our own logic, sense, and reason, our own hands, our own actions, our own vote, our own vision, when ironically we've never had the sense or the eyes to see or to solve those problems. We don't even know what awaits us in the coming hour, much less the coming day. Yet like that servant, so oftentimes we say, Oh Lord, what shall we do? This text is a call to remind us that we need to look with eyes that really see. That it's got nothing to do with what we do. And that such a statement is looking in the wrong place. What does the prophet say to his servant? Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Well, pastor, maybe if I opened my eyes one morning and I saw the hills alight with flaming chariots of fire and horsemen, well, then maybe my confidence would, would be kicked up a little bit and I, I, I could stand a little bit more sure of myself. We have something better. We have the same eyes. Believe it or not. We have the same eyes that can see stuff like that. We have the same eyes that can see better than that. Incredible as that vision was. We have eyes that have been, eyes of faith that have been opened up by none other than the Holy Spirit. Eyes of faith in Jesus. 
eyes of faith no different than the eyes of a thief on the cross. Think about those eyes for a minute. What did he see? He had eyes that were able to look past the blood and the gore and the thorns and the nails and the imminent death and the shame. And instead of seeing that, what did he see there hanging next to him? He saw a king. Not weak, but mighty. Not in defeat, but in victory. Not in weakness, but in power and in in full control. He saw a mighty Lord fighting an enemy that nobody else could fight. Doing for His people what nobody could do or bear. And He utters those famous words, Jesus, remember Me when You come into Your kingdom. He sees Christ on the cross and He sees a King. That man had eyes that could see. And friends in Jesus, you and I see with those same eyes. The cross to us is not merely a symbol of horrific torture and death. It's our battle standard of victory. We don't stare at the cross and say, oh, I feel bad for Jesus who is on it. No, we see not shame there. We see our glory being won. Not a reminder of life's bitterness or endless struggle, but our King conquering for our eternal peace. Our hearts, minds, and eyes here and now perceive you and I to be sinners. That's what's as real and in the flesh as the army of Aram. But when we look at ourselves and our brothers and sisters in Jesus through the eyes of faith, what do you see? A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people belonging to God. Children of God, not rejected, but one, not stained, but washed clean, not guilty, but fully and freely forgiven. When the proverbial armies of Aram arrive on our own doorstep, when trouble or trial come, be it an enemy or of our own making or both, remember you have eyes that can really see that our, our God is a God whose strength, whose power is made perfect in what? Weakness. His foolishness is wiser than our wisdom. His weakness is stronger than all of our might combined. And He uses each and every one of these instances to draw our eyes where? Our eyes that can see right back to Him. Through Jesus, He opens our eyes to see glory, past shame, life, past death, eternal victory in the face of what often seems like utter and final defeat. This whole account in, uh, in the Old Testament in 2 Kings reminds me of uh, some words of St. John in his first epistle. And I can't but help but wonder if maybe this is where John got the inspiration for this. 
Elisha looks at his servant and he says what? He says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. St. John puts it this way. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Holy Spirit has given you eyes to see these things. You know, I love how this, um, I love how this lectionary reading just ends right here. <laughs> now, unless maybe you're familiar or you heard the recall the story from Sunday school. It's not a real popular one, I don't think. We're kind of left hanging on a cliffhanger. But before I say what the ending is, consider this. Does it matter how this turns out? Could those chariots of fire and the angel armies of heaven simply have been there and revealed to Elisha and his servant as the angel armies that were sent to bear God's people home? That even if Aram attacked, they would be there. Ready to lift them up on eagles' wings. Isn't that what Jesus tells us? Isn't that what He says that will happen to us one day when, when we will die? Is that any less glorious? Any less victory? No, not at all. Because our eyes will see such a sight one day. As it was though, this is the Old Testament and the Lord has things to do yet. The Lord has to protect His people so that through them a Savior can be born in time. So Elisha prayed. And whereas his servant was granted sight to see the angel armies of heaven, he prays again and the opposite effect happens to the army of Aram. And they all go blind. And then, <laughs> if you're a Star Wars geek, you'll get this. Um, then Elisha goes out and he he pulls a, 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 what can not be described as anything else other than an Obi-Wan Kenobi. He goes right out to the enemy army and he looks at them and he says, I am not the man you're looking for. This is not the city you're looking for. <laughs> um, these are not the droids you're looking for. Um, then he leads them all and they follow him to Samaria. And when they open their eyes again, the enemy, or their enemy, the king of Israel, is surrounding them. And you would think that maybe they would all be slaughtered and killed, but no, God uses this opportunity to show those soldiers, his would be enemies, that he is a God of peace. And instead of killing them all, Elisha instructs the king of Israel to prepare a banquet for all of them. God invites even his enemies to eat with his eat at his table. Not what they expected at all. So he feeds them and then he sends them back to their king and that's how the Lord brings this all about to a peaceable end. Not what they expected to see at all. Not what those soldiers expected. 
But God shows that He is a God that invites even His would-be enemies to His table to sit and eat. And when we do that today, think about that. Remember that as we approach this table, we look at ourselves and we look at all the things that we have done wrong and the things that we should have done but didn't do. Do we compare our lives to the Ten Commandments or our lives and our vocations as, as, as spouses or as children or as students or as workers? And see how we have fallen short. That which is in the flesh and blood and very, very real to us. And as we come to this table, we acknowledge that, yeah, I by right have no ability to stand at this table with my Lord. But He has called me here. And He has opened my eyes that can really see. And that when you come and stand here for that moment, use your eyes that can really see. Not the front of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Bemidji, Minnesota. Not me. The body and blood of the Lord Jesus. He, here with us, at this foretaste of the wedding supper, the victory meal of the Lamb in heaven, that at this table, for that one moment, you eat and drink with Him as really as He did that night with His disciples. That you eat and drink with Him and all those who have gone before you and all those who will come after you all of whom were all at one time blind, estranged enemies of God, by now, by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit and the cleansing blood of Jesus, He has given you eyes to see. Amen. We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live-streamed at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. You can also search for St. Mark Bemidji on YouTube to find our channel. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again, www.stmarkbemidji.org All scripture readings are taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 2011, and are used by permission from Zondervan. Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day.
that brought me salvation free, lasting to eternity.